Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Um, so get your invite back. I remember um, when my life was transformed uh, through an expression of, of Jesus, the local church, when I was on holidays at a kid's camp in Florida. And I was just kind of really sensed God was going to move in my life and going to show me something I didn't know what or how simple or how complex it would be. And I was at a kid's camp and I was working hard and I was just kind of open and trying to enjoy myself, meet new people. And there was another camp next door and this little fence and, and this person from England said, I hear you like going to church. Are you looking for a church? Because I made it known. I was 21. And uh, yeah, I says, yeah, why do you know one? And they weren't a believer, weren't a Christian at all. But they just said, Flip, we just went to one last week. It was mad in a good kind of way. It was like a big, this is how they honestly described it. It was like a big party, but they actually believed the Bible. Imagine that someone said that, that they actually believed the Bible, they actually live it out. Imagine that was like an abnormal thing to experience. And so this unbeliever was that church's best evangelist. It's pretty good when your best evangelists are non-believers. And I ended up going and it changed my life forever. Why? By a simple invite. I actually believe that you wouldn't be sitting here in this church if I hadn't have been invited to that church. I honestly do. Uh, or it wouldn't have looked the same. Things would have just been very different. Why? Because someone invited me to go to a place that preached the word and expressed God's heart for his people. Life change was happening. It impacted me deeply. It fulfilled some of the dreams that I'd seen in worship in times of prayer before, uh, and here we are. And so today we're going to get our invite back. So go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, get your invite back. Get. Turn to your second favorite neighbor and say, get your invite back too. Okay, so we're going to move into the Scripture straight away. Uh, In 2 Corinthians, what's going on here is Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. And right before this passage that we're about to read, he's talking about getting a new body. He's talking eternally that, hey, the body we have is dying. Does anyone realize that at this point? That your body is not forever. It It comes to an end at some point, and it's dying it's not perfect. We have issues, wounds, brokenness, and our joints are getting stiffer. Can I get an amen? <laughs> the cartilage is wearing away, especially if you go to Moira CrossFit. I told Jane and Mark, I think Leah and Stuart, I told them this yesterday at the Ark. Um, <laughs> fading away. And so Paul's actually speaking about how we will have new bodies when we... We live eternally after this earth. As believers, we inherit a new body. Can I get an amen? And so we're not just going to be a random spirit floating around the air. God will give us a brand new body. But he then goes on to say this, the kind of major point, why are we here? What are we doing? What are we building? What are we a part of? And he goes on to say in verse 10, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. Because sometimes if we're honest we believe this, oh, I'm saved, 
I'm secure, that's it. There's no more details. There's no more if, buts, or ands. Everything's just going to be perfect. It's going to be easy. Well, actually, there's something more to this story than maybe we've believed. And Paul's describing this. We will all be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. Maybe some of you um, have kids uh, and they believe in Santa and Santa is the thing. And you've been growing up with that belief and if you're a good person, a good boy, good girl, then you get rewarded. And so because of that, you act differently. (laughs) You say please, you say thank you. Good boy, good girl. Why? Because it matters. See, what Paul's saying here is that everything we do matters and rewards will be given to those that sow well. And if you do not sow, you will not reap. And for the things that we aren't faithful with, there will be disappointment, there will be regret. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. You see, there's something going on beyond just we're saved, we're secure in heaven. There's something deeper than that. It's maybe more real life than that. Heaven is maybe a place where there are rewards given to those who have been more faithful and those who have not. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're secure, but there's a different dynamic going on to just everyone's happy and it's all good. And Paul's describing that here. We'll all have to give an account. And of course, we look through that, the person of Christ, and of course, he's paid for all of our sins. But this is about impact. This is about heavenly reward. This is about being faithful to your Father. This is about being faithful with the gifts that God has placed on your life. Because it It's a reality. God has given each and every one of us something. And it's with that something we have been called to be faithful. And if we're not, there will be regret. God will judge us according to what we have done. So what does that do? There should be a bit of a healthy fear. In the same way you were as a kid, there was a healthy fear around Christmas. (laughs) That's why the parents use that to bring good results. Amen? Obviously, you know the rest of that story. But it's the same with God. We must have a healthy fear before God, our Father. He's not just a lovey-dovey Father. He's a judge. We sing about God as the lion and the lamb. A lamb is gentle. It's soft. It's, It's a... He sacrificed himself as the lamb that became slain, but he's a lion. He will once judge the earth, the living and the dead, the good and the evil. We'll be held to account for that, and so we've got to feel a little bit of, whoa. (laughs) And I think we've came out of an era where where maybe there, there was hellfire brimstone, and that worked. And now we're into an era where, or a generation where it's all about lovey-dovey. And that worked to a certain extent. And the Bible does say that the goodness of God leads people to repent, to turn back to Him, and that's still true. But it doesn't negate 
and avoid the reality that God is a judge. And he will judge with truth. Remember this, we're not the judge. God is the judge. And so, so he will judge the earth. He will judge us. And there'll be rewards given to us for what we have done. And so I just, I think that's important as a church that sinks in. It matters what you do today. It matters what you do tomorrow. It matters what you do with, with the voice that God has given you. It matters what you do with the resources. It matters what you do with your energy. It matters what you do with your family. It matters what you do on a Sunday. It matters what you do during the week. It matters. There's consequences. It matters where you sow. Because there you will also reap. If you sow into this life and live for what is now, then you miss what is later. If you don't sow with a heavenly mindset and perspective, one, you miss the Holy Spirit. You miss the power of God. But you also miss your purpose on the earth. And so later you'll come before God and God will be like, what, what did you do with what I gave you? Well, I just kind of live for the time on the earth. And so I want to press into that a bit today and why that matters. Number one, we will all have to stand before God. The Bible says in Luke 16, to whom much is given, much is required. And that's an interesting, you could say a dichotomy. It's an interesting tension because what happens with that, sometimes we get, say, say God gave you influence. Well, that, that all maybe, maybe sounds good for your ego. The problem is if you don't manage that well, it will destroy you. And this is the beauty of when we give things back to God, surrender to God, say, God, you've given me this breath that I have. I'm giving it back. What does that do? It protects you. It protects your heart. It protects your life. It protects your purpose. That's why we say God first life. We're putting God at the top. Why? Because when God's at the top, everything comes underneath. Uh, you've seen it time and time again. Someone becomes a millionaire overnight. <laughs> and a year later, their life's a mess. Why? Because what happened was the issues they had just got bigger. If they were obsessed with buying things, it just got worse. If, 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 if they were obsessed with, with material possession and that was their God, then all of a sudden they have more money to indulge in that toxic behavior all the more now, and all of a sudden their heart is ruined. Their life is ruined. Their relationships are ruined. It happens all the time. But God's way is, hey, if I've given you influence, if I've given you resource, if I've given you gifts, use them for my kingdom, and you will make impact, and you will get heavenly reward, but you'll also see fruit while here on the earth. And you'll have the Holy Spirit and you'll have the peace of God. You'll have the power of God. I'll protect your family while doing so. I'll protect your heart while doing so. But at the end of your day, what did you do? You know, you, uh, uh, how, how do you actually, you're trying to think, well, I'm trying to process that. What does that actually look like? Uh, uh, how do I connect with that? Well, think about being on your deathbed. And when you're on your deathbed, what matters? Is it your car? 
Is it your followers? Digitally online? Is it, or is it your family? Is it your children? Is it your friends? Is it your uncle? Is it your auntie? Is it the people at work? Is it the people you have connections with? Is it your husband, your wife, your partner, your girlfriend, your boyfriend? What matters the most to you? I'm telling you, that's how to decipher what is important on this earth. And I, I guarantee you, every single one of you would say, people. The prize for life, what, who God has called us to connect with, to love, is Him and people. That's the priority. That's why our values as a church is people are our priority. Our heavenly reward is always connected to people. When God puts a vision and a dream in your heart, it's always connected to glory to God and to people. Can I get an amen? And I'm telling you, when we start to surrender to God, God will put dreams in your heart. Those, those gods, those idols will begin to fall and purpose will begin to come from within, not a have to. You know, a church that's powerless is a church that's operating out of have to. I have to go to church. I have to pray because the preacher said that. I have to read my Bible. That's a powerless church. I have to do outreach. I've got to invite this person because I'm told to. That's just dragging a dead horse. That's not who we are. A church that's powerful is a church that first and foremost has people that surrender their life to God and to get into relationship with God through the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to operate, to give dreams, to allow passion to unravel, to be unleashed. And then things happen. I can't wait to get to church. Why? To get into God's presence. I can't wait to invite my friend. Why? Because I, I see it. I already see it by faith that God will change their life, their family, their connections, the people around them. I see it by faith. I see it before it happens. I can't wait to get into prayer time. Listen, I, I'm not saying there's not times you have to discipline yourself to pray, discipline yourself to come to church. Listen, we make these decisions and then we manage them. But, but the normal state of a passion follower of Christ is passion, is want to, not have to. When you start having to do something, then you know there's something that needs to realigned in your heart. There's a belief that's off. Where am I spending too much time? Am I spending too much time with certain types of people? Am I spending too much time obsessing on Amazon? <laughs> am I spending too much? Am I just too busy in general? And my soul is empty. Who are my friends? Show me your friends. Show me your future. I'm in a group. Have I, have I committed to a group? I don't mean just I'll go to a group when it feels good. No, have I prioritized Christian community in my life? Even when it's not convenient. Because if you don't, it won't work. It's just the way it is. We'll stand before God. And so it goes on to say here, It's said there in verse, verse 11, we work hard to persuade others, to invite others. That's part of a reward. 
That's part of our call. If we truly love people, that's a natural response. If we understand what we're a part of and what we're doing. So we work hard to persuade others. Number three, why? Because Christ's love controls us. Christ's love controls us. It's amazing. We were in a conference yesterday, and it's amazing to be in a conference with people surrendered, people who have committed to Christ to build His church, to invite others, to persuade others, to create space for others. And you get them into a room, and you can just sense the love for God, the sacrifice for God, the surrender to Jesus. And it inspires you. You're proud to be a part. You sent, you st- I heard multiple people in worship just sense God speaking to, to some issues in their life about inviting others. They've realized, oh, I've been kind of, COVID stripped us back in, and, and for, in a negative way. We've become insular and inward and inward focused survival mode, but we're out of survival mode, have you realized? We're back on the road and we're moving forward and we're getting our invite back. But it's, why, why do we invite people not to achieve, not to impress people in your group or in your church or people in your family? We, we invite people out of a place of love that they would come to faith in Christ, that their sins would be forgiven and that their eternal security will be secured. Because we realize life is not forever. It's coming to an end for all of us. And God has said there's a sin problem and the sin will be judged. And without Christ, we all have no hope. It goes on to say in verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Can anyone witness to that? Can anyone witness to that? You've become a new person. The old has gone a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the, what's this? God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. So how's God going to do it? Who's got the assignment? Whose job is it to let people know about Christ? Us, you and me. If we don't go, who goes? If we don't tell, who tells? For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. How? Our voice, our invite, our word, our sharing on Facebook, our sharing with our family, our sharing with our friends. See, God's invitation comes through us. You've heard this before. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How then can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How do they hear? Us. Whose job is it? Us. Who's going to do it? Us. Who's going to see life change? Us, who's going to be on the front lines and surrender to God and see great things happen for Him? Us. It's our job. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Why do we do it? Our love for God and for people. So I want to talk to you. I want to kind of get that out of the way. 
and I want to talk to you about stories. Does anyone actually like real life stories? You know, sometimes you read the Bible and it's just theory. You're like, right, that's great. <laughs> How does that actually work in real life? Does it work? Are there any stories of it working? Well, let me tell you a few stories. I was speaking on the way home yesterday to a couple. They planted a church called D24 Church in Dublin in Tala. And anyone know where Tala is? It's okay if you don't. Big Alan, you bound to know where Tala is. Drives all over the country. Uh, well, they were from Tala. God got a hold of, and they were telling us how it all started. Said, my mom um, was invited. She, she was, had cancer in her body, and she was going through turbulent time. Someone invited her to a Bible study, a connect group. At the Bible study, they prayed for healing. She had no Christian background. Would have said she was a Catholic, but never went to church. And her mom got healed. Because her mom got healed, she gave her life to Christ. And because she gave her life to Christ, she told and invited her children and her husband about Jesus. They seen what Jesus done. They got saved. There were two daughters who got saved in that process, have now started a church. Both of them have two churches, both in Dublin. And they now invite other people to the church who are now getting saved, getting healed, getting redeemed. Why? Because their mom was invited to a connect group. So what are we going to do? We're going to invite people to connect groups. We're going to pray for them. We're going to do community with them. We're going to see God move. Can I get an amen? I have a friend who's trying for a child. They, they wanted children. They got m married in later life, trying for three or a few years and couldn't get pregnant. And he was frustrated. He was mad. What's going on? Is this my fault? And he told me, you know what happened? A couple in our church invited us for prayer. And after years of trying, within one month, we were pregnant. Today, they have another child on the way. Why? An invitation. Dylan, you can come on ahead on up. We're going to finish out here. Uh, a few years ago, I was involved in a church plant. And uh, I was having, the, not this one, but another one. I just love to plant churches, you know. <laughs> I'm telling you. When I was impacted, when I was studying you know, I just believe in the local church, and even though I, I've went through some adversity, there's something deeper going on that, that gets me through trials, gets me through troubles. It's a, it's a vision that God gave me for His church. And I, I was at the start of trying to gather uh, a few people for a church and didn't have a clue what I was doing. I still don't. Don't, don't say amen. <laughs> um, and I was just praying, God, I don't know, what, we've literally got a few people here. We had about 10 at that point, and, and we'd started kind of meeting in a YMCA where Jude used to work. And we were about to go to the Sega Hotel and, and do something there. And I was like, God, I, we need some foundational people, some people who can lead. And I started praying, and a guy randomly came to my mind as I prayed. Uh, and by the name of Andy, and some of you know who I'm talking about. And I just said, you know what? I don't even know if this guy's walking with God. 
I know he once did. He used to date a, a friend of our family's. And I just randomly added him on Facebook, stalker, hashtag stalker. And I literally invited him for coffee at my parents, in my parents' living room. And I just said, like, bro, this is a long shot, but I just want to tell you a little bit of my story, what we're trying to do. And I just, you came into my heart. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you've been. I don't know if you even believe in God, but I just, I'm trying to be obedient to the, the Holy Spirit right now. I don't want to be weird. I, I want to invite you to put God first in your life. I, I see potential in you. I feel like God put you in my heart. And he just said, yeah. <laughs> like, what? You're not going to like bite back or question me about God or why should I believe? Or he said, yeah, I'm going to surrender my life. I'm like, that's easy. He said this was hard. But I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes in his life. He had been brought up in a Christian family. And he'd walked away. And he'd been, he'd been trained to be a teacher. And he was in Malta. And he was at the point of, of committing suicide. Because he had been under the influence of drugs. And that was just a few months prior. And when I had prayed, God had put him on my heart. It was at the right time, at the right moment that he was ready to surrender his life because he realized he couldn't do it on his own. And he was messing it up, chasing the things of the world, chasing um, experiences in the world. And he surrendered and met with him a few months. He's actually in our house a few months back. He's putting God first still. He's got a family. He's got children that he's raising in the local church. He's now the vice president of multiple schools in Florida. We set him up with a Floridian. And he's pursuing God's purpose for his life. Why? An invitation. It wasn't, it wasn't complicated. It probably even came across a little dumb to add someone who I didn't know, had never spoke to before. But listen, God moved and God transformed and he's still moving into the next generation now because that guy surrendered and answered the invitation with a yes. When I was 17, I was in a local church here and they started preaching about tithing. <laughs> 17. I used to get paid for playing football, so I, 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 they invited me and I said, you know what, if that's what I have to do and that's God's way, I'm going to surrender. Now, now, what does that even mean practically, Phil? You know what it means? What I believe it done for me is it got me to surrender my life in probably an area that was most very valuable because it represented happiness, security, a job success and at an early age I was able to surrender to that area so that when God called me when I was about to get a job as a teacher I could easily surrender and become a student again for another two years which was a bit awkward mature student go as a 23 year old after doing my degree after being prepared for for a teacher I, I found it easy to lay that down why because I'd already surrendered and I answered the invitation. You see, you know the power of invitation is? Discipleship looks like invitation. It looks like, hey, do you want to come to my group? Invitation. Hey, do you want to come and pray with us on Wednesday night and see God move in your life? Invitation. Hey, hey do you want to trust God with that situation in your life? Invitation. We're doing that today at the back. Hey, do you want to come to church today? Invitation. 
hey, do you want, do you want to build a church together with us and come into team invitation? Jesus is healing people and he's saying, hey, I know you've been lying there for 38 years. I invite you to get up and walk. What happened? Life change. Miracles, what happened after that? They went in and told everyone about Jesus and invited them to come to him. Invitation. There's so many people in here have been invited. I think about just recently, Richard and Julie. What happened? Invitation. Hey, do you want to come to Alpha? Oh, there's pizza. Okay. <laughs> oh, pizza. I'm in. Richard was just telling me, like, the first week I didn't want to be there, but I went because of pizza. But the second week, I was kind of warming up. But the third week, I surrendered my life to Christ. By the fifth week, I received an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Did I feel awkward? Yes. Did someone invite me? Yes. Did my life change forever? Yes. Am I now inviting other people? Yes. Is the church moving forward? Yes. Is the kingdom of God building up? Yes. Are barriers being broken down in my life? Yes. Is it affecting the next generation, our kids? Yes. Invitation. Invitation. Sam. I'm just going to go over the last few weeks. Sam and, and Rachel. Rachel was invited into her kids' ministry. She said herself she was scared. She was socially awkward. She found it hard to have confidence and belief in herself. We invited her in. The next thing, she was invited to lead the team. She's doing a phenomenal job. The next generation, I've never seen someone so passionate, passionate about the next generation. Why? Through her hurt, through her heartache, God has given her a passion to give back. What, what happened? Invitation. How did discipleship happen? How did she grow? Invitation. Sam was invited to go to the growth track. All of a sudden, the masks started to unfold. The, the lies of Satan that, were, that had a hold on his life to make him suicidal. We're broken by an invitation. So you can't tell me it's not our job to invite. You can't tell me the church won't move forward if we take the responsibility of the ministry of reconciling people to Christ. How do we do it? Invitation. Can you do it? Yes, you can. Come on, can you do it? Of course you can. Because it's not hard to invite, why do we not invite that person who looks different to us? Because we work it out in our head. Oh, no, I don't think that would work. I think they're too far gone. Listen, the people that I've seen come to faith are usually the unlikely people. The people that God uses the most are the unlikely people. Paul was an unlikely person in the Bible. He killed Christians, but God called them. So don't you say nobody's no for them. Don't you write anyone off because you don't understand it. Listen, I don't understand how God works, but I know He does. And it happens through invitation. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm not finished. I just want us to stand. There's a pastor, Pete Haas. He's a church in Minneapolis in the States. And he was sharing yesterday how he didn't believe in God. He's a bit of an electronic DJ, hippie kind of guy. Uh, I've known him for years. And 
he was like, some of you don't know my story, but I, I, I was just in a bad place in my life and I was an electronic DJ and I was in the club and I just said, God, if you're, what, God, what God is real? He was thinking about Hinduism, Muslim. He was looking at all these different religions across the world and he literally just prayed, God, if you're real, tell someone to come and speak to me now in this club if you're really real. And I shouldn't have to go to church if you're real. If you're really that powerful. He says within 10 minutes, a guy witnessed to him in his club while he was DJing. And invited him to give his life to Christ on a dance floor. And he did. And because of that, now there's thousands. I think, I don't even know how many campuses he has. But there's thousands of people, 20 years on, that have come to Christ through. It was actually, I got this idea of invitation from him. Because someone invited him. But yet, it didn't make sense. Why would you invite someone in a nightclub? How was there a Christian even in the darkness? Woo. Woo. If you're religious, how do you work that one out? Invitation. And so today I'm inviting you. Um, one more story. You, can I tell one more story? Just, just from, from, from Richard uh, at that Holy Spirit night. Because, you know, church isn't just a, a cookie cutter, stand up, sit down, song, preach you know, just squat. It's not just kind of like systematic. There's systems to the church, to God's way of doing things. There's bones to our body. There's bones to the church, there's structure, but there's a Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's powerful. He goes beyond our cognitive ability to understand. He put it thought in my mind to invite a random person that I didn't, I couldn't systematically work that out. I just obeyed it. And God done something miraculous, supernatural, and that same Holy Spirit is invited here. He's in this moment. Some of you might even surrender your, surrendered your life to Christ. You don't even know why. You just felt it was the right thing to do. Listen, God is powerful. God is at work. He's real. He is here. And you're invited to go deeper with him so you can source the power that is available to you. And so Richard was just telling me, like, on, on, the, on the Holy Spirit night at Alpha, I was nervous, he said. He said, part of me didn't want to go. I don't, I'm not used to being vulnerable in church with feelings and stuff. Blech. Come on, you guys, you understand. Bradley, give me a, a fist bump for that one. And he says, but I went there and, and Naomi actually prayed and invited the Holy Spirit just to come. There was no specific prayers. It was just, Holy Spirit, come. Pray with this guy. Pray with this girl. He says, I've never felt peace in my whole life of 40 plus years like it. Why? invitation. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.